So my name is Amel Kermali. Um, my name, I'm told, uh, and corroborated by some people, somewhat reliable, <laughs> are, uh, means hope in Arabic. Yeah, so I'm born and raised in Toronto. Okay, okay. Your lineage roots? My parents come from Mauritius, okay. which is an island off the east coast of Madagascar. What's the most fulfilling part about coaching for you? Uh, <clears throat> seeing the girls get better. Okay. Like there are, and you know, I find that the coaching gives me a good relief or counterbalance to my professional life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, it's just a different change of pace. I wouldn't say that my professional life is stress, but it's, it's work. Yeah. And coaching, there's a certain amount of enjoyment from seeing the girls get better. Okay. And my daughter get better, of course. And I, for better or for worse, can get fixated on moments throughout the season. Highlights. Right. And I just remember them vividly. So I, I remember um, one game in our first winter se session where the, you know, it, it was like a light switch. The girls got it. From the team, okay. From the yeah, team. Yeah, they yeah. got it. They finally applied everything, quote-unquote, everything we had been drilling into them, and it displayed itself in a game where, you know, we were 0-5, getting pumped 8-0, oh, 7 nothing. Yeah. All of a sudden, we won a game 3-1 to against a fairly strong opponent, and we were changing the you know, field of play with the ball and advancing the ball and reversing it and passing it. I'm like, it was me and a couple of dads on the sideline and we were just like shocked. I'm like, what is, who, what is this team? That's but uh, of course, then we went on our winter break and then the girls forgot everything and we had to start over. <laughs> but stuff like that, you know, there's... Good morning, good day, or good evening, and welcome to 54 Lights. My name is Kondwani Mwase, and the next episode is The Beautiful Game. This show is meant to shed light on undertold stories out of Africa. Our vision is to introduce you to some extraordinary people doing incredible things and to ultimately change the lens through which African and Africans are seen. Whether you call it football or soccer, there's no doubt about what's unquestionably the world's most beautiful game. It's played the world over. All you need is a ball and a makeshift goal. But therein lies its beauty. It is accessible and it is simple. Period. Sports have an amazing ability to bring out the best in us. Our creative spirit, our thirst for competition, our love for each other, 
and of course, our capacity to compete. In many ways, sports are metaphors for life itself. And this beautiful game is no different. Today's episode is a glimpse at those who teach us the game, our coaches. I had the pleasure of sitting down with two leaders from Sigma FC, a phenomenal soccer academy in Toronto. You'll hear what makes them tick and possibly why you should look into jumping in to the beautiful game. Here, in part, is our conversation. My name is Alex Jerome Havan. I am uh, Rwandan. My parents are, are born in Rwanda. Uh, I was born here in Windsor, Ontario. Uh, been, I've been back there twice, fortunately, which was, has been nice. Once in 2007, once in 2016, Christmas of 2016. So I've seen the country, which, yeah. is, which is good. It's always, it's always good. Um, I would say the biggest you know, benefit of, of always knowing or having that, that kind of experience or having that or, origin is having a, a culture to go back to. Do you consider yourself a Rwandan, a Rwandan-Canadian, or a Canadian? Like yeah, what? so definitely Rwandan-Canadian, Rwandan being the priority. I don't, uh, I don't shy away from it. Like there, there are certain things that like I keep a distance from, like community stuff and all that. But in general, I don't shy away from saying that I, I am Rwandan. I don't, you know, I don't make any apologies for it. I, I, I stick to it. You know, yeah. even in the way that I used to play when I played soccer, pe- people would notice that it's not from here. It, it has a, an African background, has a Rwandan background. So I did, I, t- I took pride in that, and I don't, you know, and I, and I still do it today. That's interesting. So um, your parents are the ones that have instilled this in you in terms of understanding your roots and stuff like that? Is that, is that where that comes from? Sure, because uh, especially with the kind of history that the country has, it's rather important to maintain a certain level of pride, you know, with the genocide and all that. Yeah. Um, and it's, we've made it a point to, especially back home, to, to rebuild from it. So it's important for our generation, especially, uh, to understand what has happened and as a means to progress and develop the country. And whether we're here or uh, still over there, still say, yeah, we're proud to Rwanda and we're, you know, we're here and doing good things, uh, both in Rwanda and abroad, you know. Um, Rwanda has like a, obviously a, a bit of a checkered recent past, right? Yeah, the yeah, genocide yeah. of 94. Sure. Um, with that said, Rwanda as a country has made a lot of strides in Correct. terms of reconciliation, Correct. in terms of... Uh, um, of women in, in government and in, 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 uh, in parliament and so on and so forth. Right. So it's a very progressive country within way. Africa sure. and within the world, to be sure. honest. Sure. But that's not the perception from Western um, mm. media or Western yeah, yeah, yeah. people. What would you say uh, people need to do to reshape their uh, understanding of Rwanda? Reshape the narrative. Well, I think we, uh, like people who live here, have to assume the responsibility of doing that in a way and just kind of making it clear of what's going on. The one thing that I've noticed is that people put, uh, you know, Western context into the African country. You know what I mean? So, for example, the one thing that I would always discuss with my parents is uh, we evaluate democracy based on term limits 
based on uh, gap or margins of elections, you know what I mean? Like whether you have 97% versus 50% of the votes, that type of thing, that the moment that it gets greater than 60, there's a connotation that something is a bit off. The, the reality is, for example, over there, we want progress and we're not going to deviate from what works, right? Which is arguably a Western philosophy yeah. that's just being applied in... In a wanted in, context. Exactly. That's interesting. Yeah. So you seem to be very attuned with what's happening, uh, quote-unquote, back home. Yeah, more or less. Uh, there are certain things that, that are beyond me. I, I, don't, uh, I don't kind of play like I know all of it. Yeah, yeah. I just ask every now and again, try to stay informed as much as I can, but with what goes on here, what goes on in the United States where I have some friends and stuff, that kind of, you know, it takes a bit of, a bit too much, too much headspace. So I have to yeah. always be conscious of that as well. And when you're going through that process of distilling what's going on back home versus what's happening here, like, sure. where, where do you inform yourself? Do you inform yourself with your parents first, your community? Like, Yeah, you know, I, I, I stay informed very much with, with the family. You know, I have family over there that I keep in touch with, you know, WhatsApp is our friend. You, you, uh, as Africans, we... Yeah, <laughs> come on now, you know what it is, and it, it is it is that thing of I, I try to keep it with the primary sources. You know what I mean? Those who live there, what what are they seeing? Yeah. And then I, you know I do the, the outside research and all that, but I have a, a tendency to to believe those that are there and that live the experience uh, rather than what people say from miles and miles away. Rwanda is a proud African nation located in the central region of the continent. It shares borders with the DRC, Uganda, Burundi, and Tanzania. The country achieved independence in 1962, separating from Belgium's colonial rule. In 1994, Rwanda experienced what is commonly known is the most efficient genocide on record, with up to one million deaths occurring in just 100 days of carnage. Yet despite the checkered past that continues to have its impact, Rwanda's story continues to progress. Since 2000, the economy has been consistently growing. In 2018, the country was ranked fifth in the world for gender equality. In short, Rwanda's story continues to be written. The origins of your name, where does that come from uh, and does it mean anything? So my, uh, my first name, my mom said that she found it in a children's book that referred to an emperor, but my first name. And then the middle name is one that I chose for myself. It came from the church, which I got baptized in, was Saint-Jérôme. And then the last name is... Dirk- you, sorry, you chose that? Yeah, the middle name I did. Okay. The last name is my dad's choice, and it came from my grandmother, who's, now, uh, who's passed, of course, but uh, it was her, her last name was Mukan. So he took the he took the first part out and kept the top on us. So just as 
uh, out of homage to her and, and kind of living in, in, in her way of just being, you know, compassionate, being a full human being as much as possible. Okay. And so, yeah, that, that's that's pretty much it. That's interesting. So I'll just jump on the last name there. Is that your, that's, so that's not necessarily a family name that's in a... Is that custom that you guys take a... Right. So in, in Rwanda, an interesting thing is we we have the family aspect, which is very important, but there is this kind of individuality that we, we don't shy away from either. Like a lot of people in families do not have the same last name. It's very common. Mm-hmm. Like my sister and I don't have the same last name. My mom and my dad don't have the same last name. And this is official in official government documents. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it's very, very common. Like even uh, different cousins, they'll have different. Like, like it's, it's just, it's very much a norm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like for example, me, it's in Havana. My sister's in Havana. You chose Jerome. I did. Yeah. At what age did you choose that name? Well, uh, I was in. When did I do the middle name? Tenth grade, so I turned sixteen. Uh, that's when. That's when I, you chose it. Yeah. Chose but you go by Arlick. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I'm going to switch gears and go to Perry for a second. Yeah, please. Uh, I'm calling you Perry. Yeah. Can you give me your full name and family background as well? Uh, Perry Padelish Hadzuan. Um, that's uh, it's very Greek. Okay. It sounds yeah, like I was going to say that. I'm assuming you're uh, Greek. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, both, I won the bet. Yeah. <laughs> So both my parents are uh, born in Greece, um, and I'm born in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. I'm the first person in my entire family born outside of Greece. So. Is it? Yeah. Wow, wow. So how, uh, this might be a, an obvious question, but um, how closely do you, how proud are you of the, the Greek in you? Um, very. Yeah. I, it, it's a big part of uh, it's a big part of my life. Um, I, I grew up in a house where um, we lived in a duplex and my grandparents lived downstairs and my grandparents i mean they barely spoke english i was going to say do you speak french. greek I, I it was i spoke greek before english or french so so for you does your name mean anything uh interestingly enough my last name uh kind of is split into two so the second part of the name ioano is just it's a common Greek name. Okay. English, it translates to John. Okay. Uh, and the first part of my name, the Haji, uh, signifies that someone in my family at some point uh, did the Hajj, the pilgrimage to Mecca. Right. And that's how they earned the name. So Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll stick with you, Perry, for a second. What, what do you do for, like, for work? What's your profession? Well, I, I consider this my profession here at, uh, at Sigma. I'm uh, full-time, so I do, uh, I do a bit of uh, admin, I do a bit of... Uh, I manage some of our teams, I, I take care of a lot of the travel. Um, That's Sigma FC, right? Yes. So Can, can you tell me what, uh, what, is, what is Sigma FC? Yeah, so uh, we're, in, we're an elite soccer academy. Uh, we've been around for, I want to say, 15, 16 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we're basically a full academy. It's, uh, it, the concept is, for those who aren't soccer fans, maybe it, it's a bit of a more strange setup because we're not just a club. So academy yeah. is... Uh, we train three times a week, and then we have our competitions on the weekends. 
Um, and so our academy starts at the under 12 age, and that runs up to our U18, we have a U21 team, and then our League One uh, men's team that mm-hmm. play in League One Ontario, and that's uh, considered a amateur league. What brought you to soccer? So my dad played professionally in Greece for a club called Olympiakos. Okay. And so basically I had no choice in the matter. <laughs> I, I, was, I was given a ball in the crib and then that, uh, that was pretty much it. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's um, you mentioned, Arlik, you're, you're a coach for these uh, yes. younger... Aged kids? Yes, sir. So um, men, and, uh, men and women, boys and girls? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Before you tell me about that, what brought you into coaching? And is this, are you as well full-time at Sigma? Correct. Yeah. So what we, what I do, yeah, so I, I coach, so I played at Sigma for about what, 14 to 22, so eight years, right? Okay. So 14 to 18, that's the development years. And eventually I went on to play at university at the University of Pennsylvania, in Indiana. And then in the summers, I would come back and play with the first team of the year 21 team, right? So I was doing that. Eventually, I got injured. Injury kind of took me out of the game, but I said I still want to be involved. So I, I decided to ask uh, the, the, the staff here if it, I could, uh, they could have me as, as a coach. And I've been doing that since last April now, so it's going to be, it's been a year already. Okay. Uh, and it's, you know, I can't, I really can't complain, but it's been going well. So I've been, as Perry pointed out, I've been doing the ETC. We started the juniors just last week, so I'm also involved in that. And then I actually coached the U12 team with one of our head coaches, Coach Phil. And then I also uh, coached the U15 team this year, along with uh, our other head coach, uh, Coach Hamid, right? So it's, it's, it's just been great, you know. I, I love that, that aspect of developing uh, young men and, you know, making them better per, per session and hopefully per year. Okay. And I mean, when you see the dividends pay off, it just makes you want it more. Okay. So that, that's, that's, that's kind of been my entry into coaching and how I've, you know, enjoyed it and I continue to enjoy it every day. I got a, um, a question, maybe since Perry was, was uh, mentioned that the ball was put in his crib. Sure. How did you get into soccer? Was, it, was that? It's, it's, it's the exact same. Okay. Yeah, it's very much. Uh, Your dads know each other? Yeah. 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 I, I was a better player. Oh, for, yeah, sure. Yeah. for sure. For sure. <laughs> for sure. Uh, so, uh, my dad actually used to play professionally back home in Rwanda, right? Oh, so, seriously? Oh, yeah. Okay, so it's kind of the same story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, <laughs> so it, it, it kind of felt, came naturally. Um, Do you guys have kids, no? No, 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 no. Okay, no. so I, <laughs> right. I feel the need to have an intervention to break the. Uh, right, right. <laughs> trying to see if there's an exploration opportunity for sure. We'll, we'll um, call you guys in 10, 15 years. Right, so we'll right, okay. right. Um, but yeah, so it, it just came, it came naturally, I guess. Um, and it's, it's been fun. Like when I started playing soccer, I explored all the sports. I played basketball for a bit too. Uh, and I don't like regret it. Like basketball was great too. I got great friends from it and all. But the, there was something about this sport that I, that I wouldn't change. You know, the, the running, the, the, the creation of play, you know, the, yeah. the building. There is something about the construction uh, offensively and just the, the work that it requires, you know, if you re, if you look at statistics professionally and even at the amateur level, you'll notice the amount of kilometers ran, yeah. you'll notice the amount of touches on the football, you'll notice the amount of passes, I, I just love it, man. 
I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm going to press you on that again. Sure. Like, since you've played both, why not become a basketball coach, player? Like, why didn't you go down that road? Because I played, because I played both, the one thing that takes me into soccer more than basketball is the fact that some of the things you see on the field, on the soccer field, you, you can't really replicate anywhere else. And that, that's true of any other sport, to be honest. But there is something about, for example, when I see a bicycle kick, I just lose it. I can listen to basketball and know what's going on, but with soccer, I have to see it. What are, what are some of the life skills, right? So I think it's, it's really interesting to look at kids and say, hey, a kid can, you know, at ages of 5 to 12 or whatever, can grow, grow within the game and there's a career within the game and a trajectory. But not everybody makes it pro, not everybody makes it to, you know, professional level or even semi-professional level. What, it is, what is it do you think that kids and people can come away with from the game itself that's of value? Yeah, so just just bounce off, especially the, the communication. The one thing that like I do with the, with the kids, you know, I uh, I, I never use uh, informal language. So, for example, I always say instead of hello or hi, it's good evening. Um, I I do not um, address, so I, I I only I'll address them in nicknames. However, to make sure that they understand that it's I there is a certain level of authority that I present, but at the same time, it's not overbearing. So I try to balance those two things. Um, when, I, when I give instruction, I tend to use um, vocabulary that is a bit more advanced so that they get used to it, especially because kids today are not like reading as much. So like instead of saying, uh, for example, like we joke about it a lot because you certainly see it on the field. Our kids right now are, are in great form. They're, they're winning games, they're winning by multiple goals, right? And I will tell them instead of saying, uh, keep going, I will say, uh, continue to assert dominance, right? And it, and it's, it's, it seems like small and see, like we joke about it a lot, but the, 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 the hope that I, that I the, the hope and the idea behind it is to say that they gain the, this type of uh, communication skill, they gain different words, uh, that they're not used to hearing as a means to develop the communication skills as well, not just from me to them, but from them to me, right? Uh, and then another life skill uh, is just teamwork, collaboration, right? The idea that you work with someone in pairs, in tandem, in threes or fours uh, to, to create a, a common objective, right? The, the whole team, it's 11 and then seven or eight or nine on the bench, but we are still a team and we have a common objective, whether it's winning the game, but for us, more importantly, it's that each player develops and becomes better per year, mm-hmm. right? And that development only happens if they have their counterparts that are pushing them to improve, mm-hmm. right? And so that's, that's really our focus is, you know, communication, collaboration, the, the willingness to, to to listen, you know, use our ears as anatomically intended. So, and that's what it is. And, and we just pride ourselves on instilling that from a young age. You know, it's talks about responsibility. I have the pennies here. They're going to have to take them to the field, mm-hmm. right? Balls, they take to the field. I only bring the cones because I have to set up the, the session. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Fantastic. Do, do the parents know how uh, difficult you guys are? Is that the... uh, they sign up for it. Don't they? <laughs> they, 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 they sign up their kids. Exactly. That's exactly right. I was going to say, oh and, my gosh. No, 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 in, in, in their defense, I think our parents are pretty great. Exactly. We set guidelines for them as well. Right. Um, they're not allowed in the changing rooms. They know yeah. that. And so it's kind of like 
I set up a desk uh, out there, and you know, up until the desk, parents welcome. After the desk, it's just yeah, this is just the team, uh, team space. Yeah. Um, there is an international uh, flavor to this game. Mm-hmm. There is also a. Uh, this is cross cross cultures, cross genders. This sure. is this is a game that really includes sure. everybody. Sure. Um, you know, why do you think it has an international appeal? And I mean, international cross gender. Like, why do you think it's so pervasive as a sport? That's, um, that's okay. Accept it. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I think, economically, it's easy to get around. Ball, you don't even need shoes. Um, there is, uh, and I think that that's like the first thing that I noticed, because even the poorest of the poor play versus the richest of the rich. So there's no uh, economic kind of boundaries there. Uh, I think that the, the other thing is... Uh, the, the culture has been set up, the sport's been set up to be uh, played, played around the world. For example, in Europe, right? In Europe, we have different leagues across different countries. We talk about Greece, Greece has a league, Germany, England, all, all these different places, France, all these different places, right? And then even the African countries have their leagues, the Asian countries have their leagues and everything. The, the thing that, the, the through line between all these things uh, outside the economic is just the simplicity of the game, right? You have the lines on the field, you have the rules are simple, there is a goal there, there's a goal there. Your side defends the school, you attack that goal, this side defends their goal and attacks the other, right? So there is a, a simplicity to the game as well, which is uh, appealing and easy to understand. Even those who play uh, hockey, who play basketball, can play soccer, and they will understand right away. The, the, the aspect of country representation with the World Cup, for example, the female uh, World Cup is coming up, starts this Friday. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- that aspect also takes it to another level. Having the World Cup, having Euro, having CONCACAF uh, World Cup is going to also start for the men's, uh, the African Cup of Nations. How uh, attentive are you to the women's game? I've made it a point to be more attentive, uh, especially... Uh, well, because I, I have a sister, right? We played soccer as well, so that's kind of opened my eyes to the game. But I've made, because of what I have in, in, in mind with, with the game, and, and these are things that I, that I always think about and imagine, in the way I've kind of paid more attention to it. Like there was the um, Champions League final for the women's about two weeks ago now. Okay. Watch that, you know what I mean? So I, yeah. I've made it a point to be more attentive, especially this year is the World Cup year, so it's easier to yeah. do that. But I've definitely made it a point to, like, especially since I finished college, to be a bit more aware, just so I can gain a more round, well-rounded perspective on the game as well. So that's, that's, that's kind of how I thought of it. Um, a little bit from left field here. Sure. Uh, your, uh, it sounds to me that you've got a lot of, uh, like, you're a teacher versus, you know, a, a coach is a teacher, right? It seems that that's something that's in you, and sure. that may have been what Perry was talking to me about before, sure. like, that I should meet you. Sure. Where does that kind of come from? Is he, are your right. parents teachers? Like, I'm just my, my kind father of curious. Is, my father is, oddly enough. Um, he's brought that to my attention as well, and it's not something that I necessarily absorb or receive often. I kind of uh, always have the mindset of I'm always working to, to become better as a coach but I, I again I appreciate the, the compliment and Perry's talked to me about it a lot especially as we've been working more and more together uh, and yeah it just it, it does come from my dad like he, he is a teacher uh, at primary school 
And it's just, and especially at, at those at that age that, that I'm teaching in, or that I'm coaching in, I should say. Yeah. Uh, it, I, I, I understand uh, the importance of it because I was at that age, and I understand the, the influence, the impact that coaches have. So I'm, I'm very careful, and I care a lot about what I'm doing, and I care about these kids, right? And that's, that's fundamentally what it comes down to. So every, when I plan sessions, the way I speak to them, it's very centered around saying, I care about you, so you should care about yourself. What's the proper way to call this? Soccer or football? Football, come on now. This is this. But we're in we're in Canada. And, uh, listen, the one thing I'll say, the one thing I'll say is because So the question, younger kids or older kids to coach? Younger. Okay. Um, World Cup, Euro, African nations, yes. other. You could only watch one. What do you watch? <laughs> the problem is, if I don't say Africa, I feel like it's someone. Okay. No, 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 no. no. So there you have it. The conversation continues. I'd like to thank all my guests for their participation and candor. Remember, you can find us wherever you do your listening. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or even YouTube. Just search for 54 Lights. Listen, like, share. Music for this episode was composed, enjoyed, and used with permission by Anjo. Until we meet again, thanks for listening. <laughs>